The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, it's a Sunday morning. We're into July already. Can you believe it? Uh, good morning, Rob. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Howard. Um, halfway through the year, I know it's all downhill from here, as they say. Is it what they say? <laughs> I'm, I'm more optimistic than that. <laughs> anyway, over the past couple of weeks, we've discussed on these talks uh, surrounding Blevins Franks the highly emotive issues of inflation and depressed investment markets. During those broadcasts, you made various references to strategic financial planning. The question I'd like to address this week is, what is strategic financial planning? Does it help? And what should we expect to get from it? But before we discuss strategic financial planning, what caught your eye in the news this week? Well, Howard, uh, on the global stage, the week began with the world's G7 leaders meeting in Bavaria, Germany. And, and as you would expect, there was there was unilateral support for President Zelensky and and the Ukraine. Zelensky um, then addressed the conference by video link and urged the G7 not to let Russia's invasion drag on over the winter. He told them, if Ukraine wins, you all win, and pleaded for more ammunition and missiles to force Russia back. Boris Johnson and Emmanuel Macron were both in Bavaria, and after their frosty relationship since Brexit, it was quite a surprise to see them hugging, and then Boris telling the world that the, the Le Bromance is back on. They will uh, apparently soon hold an Anglo-French summit to improve ties after pledging help to Ukraine to mount a military surge against Russia. It'll be interesting to see how that summit plays out and what positives come out of it for UK nationals living in France, or in fact for those British residents who own French real estate. Now, COVID investments have been rising quite sharply over the past few weeks and in response, the French Health Ministry suggested this week that the reintroduction of the health pass for travel um, in and out of France was uh, was maybe required from the 1st of August. Um, Christian Estrosi, the Mayor of Nice, was also very vocal about making face masks compulsory on public transport once again. On the financial front, this week, INSEE, the National Institute for Statistics, said that they expect inflation in France to hit 6.8% by the autumn, a level not seen since the mid-80s. As we've discussed over the past few weeks, Howard, France's inflation rate is nowhere near as high as, as some of its neighbours, primarily because of measures taken by the government, such as the $0.08 cents per litre fuel discount and the price freeze on energy tariffs. In Spain and Germany, inflation is already at 8%, while it's actually over 9% in the UK. The widespread rise in prices is due to a combination of issues. The war in Ukraine, China's zero-Covid strategy, which has slowed the country's production and in turn impacted global supply chains, and obviously the fuel price increases. All of these issues have unfortunately created what I would say is probably a perfect storm. For some ideas about weathering this storm on your finances, the listeners can revisit our recent broadcasts via the Riviera Radio and Blevins Franks websites, which address the issues of beating inflation and depressed investment markets. Sticking with financial matters, I was also interested this week to read that over the past two years, UK savers have invested £21 billion in NSNI premium bonds, but all that has really done is lengthen the odds of winning two £1 million jackpots by 21%. So you've got a 1 in 59 million chance of winning. The odds on being struck by lightning are apparently only 50,000 to 1. 
I'm sure I was in the minority during the pandemic, probably because I was one of the few people who didn't binge watch films or box sets. In truth, during the lockdown, we at Blevins Franks were the busiest than ever. Having much more time on their hands prompted lots of clients to think about their situations, maybe in greater detail than they would do normally, and therefore then ask lots more questions of us. Now, watching Test Match Cricket over the past couple of weeks and watching Wimbledon this week has given me an insight into what that binge-watching was all about, and unfortunately, I think I could get quite good at it. Especially the British Grand Prix later today, three weeks of the Tour de France, the Open in a couple of weeks, and oh yes... I could easily be a sports binge-watching expert come the end of August. Uh, and then, unfortunately, the football season starts again. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying Wimbledon, I have to say. So, turning to strategic financial planning, you use this term quite frequently, but what does it mean? Well, I, when I joined the, uh, the wealth management industry back in the early 80s, we, we sold products. If you died, you needed life insurance, maybe to pay off your mortgage or provide your family with a lump sum, which would then provide an income to replace the income that had died with you. You needed to put money aside in the pensions so you could eventually retire. Maybe you needed income protection if you were ill and couldn't work. There were so many different products, but they were each designed for specific situations. Of course, all those products were loosely linked together by default because they're all component parts of your finances, what we now describe as wealth management. As time passes, everything evolves, and the science of financial planning and wealth management is no exception. Strategic financial planning combines the relationships our assets have with the events that will impact them. Strategic financial planning is also the glue that pulls financial planning and then ongoing wealth management completely together. This sounds quite scientific. I'm sure there's a process you follow. <laughs> yeah, following a process is, is actually a prerequisite. But that said, I would also say that the process is certainly not a box-ticking exercise. We go on a financial journey with every client. Of course, we need to understand how their finances are made up. But more important, we need to understand what they want from their finances, what they want to achieve. The term financial objectives is something that is frequently bandied about in quite imperious or haughty terms, as though there's something wrong if those objectives are not clearly defined or crystal clear. In my experience, most people have quite vague objectives. They're frequently not fully thought through, which can mean the process of strategic financial planning can be quite challenging because you have to look in the mirror and potentially face up to what you don't want to see. I know for a fact that this is why some people don't actually go on that journey. Once we understand what someone has and what their priorities are, we then need to develop a strategy. I say strategy rather than plan, because our strategies are regularly played out over several years. That happens quite a lot when people are planning to move into France, maybe from the UK, and they have various things they need to do before they leave. They may need to make changes to their pensions, maybe take a pension commencement lump sum. If they have UK ICES, it's usually appropriate for them to sell them before they leave the UK. But it's not all about selling assets. A strategy frequently needs you to get your timing right. The UK tax year doesn't correlate with the French tax year, which can be an advantage if your strategy uses that advantage. If you simply arrive and get this issue wrong, it can be very costly. There are also differences between different tax systems and their respective allowances and tax thresholds. In the UK, the tax system operates on an individual basis, whereas the French system is household-based. Everyone in the UK has an individual personal allowance, while in France, the first band of income is taxed at 0%. 
UK residents still enjoy annual capital gains tax allowances, whereas the French did away with them probably about 10 years ago now. When we take on work with someone who's already a resident in France, there are also quite frequently timing issues. Can you sell an asset before a key date, such as your 70th birthday? One actually I had to deal with this week was uh, was staggering the sale of assets over various tax years to avoid those clients paying the tax exceptionnel charge. And then how to combine that with the use of an SARL de famille to improve their succession or their family succession situation. Would you say that a common theme across all of this is to help people protect their wealth? Yeah, protection, protection is certainly a key consideration for most people, and especially our retired expatriate listeners. Many of them have worked all their lives to give themselves the ability to spend some, if not all, their twilight years enjoying the benefits of the south of France on, on what the south of France has to offer. Protecting our wealth goes much further and making sure we just keep what we have. We need to make sure our money works hard for us, you know, maybe as hard as, it, as we work to accumulate it which you certainly won't do if you simply leave it sitting in a bank account. Even after the recent interest rate increases, cash deposits are still paying us next to no interest. And the real annoyance is our trusted banks, there's an oxymoron if I've ever heard one, then have our money on those balance sheets to use and invest as they see fit for their corporate profits, not for ours. And they still apply bank charges when there's a transaction activity on the account. During inflationary periods, such as the one we're currently experiencing, we owe it to ourselves to ensure, as Bill Blevins used to frequently say on these broadcasts, pay unto Caesar what is required, not a penny more. There's just no logic to paying more tax than we need to. I have no issue with paying what the tax money is owed, but it's our duty, or I feel it's our duty, to also make use of every allowance and tax break and the strategy to maximise our wealth preservation. What are the key threats to savings in these times? Um, I, I don't think uh, the key threats to wealth have necessarily changed, Howard. They, they may look different, but below the surface, they're, they're pretty much the same. We, we travel our own and very individual life roads, but when we look back, we've all encountered the same challenges on that journey. On a daily basis, we're constantly faced with a plethora of financial challenges, which can be overcome um, and sometimes overwhelming. Governments must generate income through taxation. I understand that. They need a slice of our life's profits to pay for the services they provide for us to live in their country. Governments, and specifically their tax authorities, are very, very creative. Their job is to continually come up with new ways to generate more revenue. I believe our responsibility is to ensure we don't pay a penny more than we should just because the tax authorities have changed the rules of the game. More than ever before, we also must be conscious of personal tax. I'm not really sure if personal tax is a good description, but what I'm referring to are people who want to separate us from our money, thieves, robbers, chances and opportunities. As we saw during the pandemic, with the massive increase in online crime, this band of crooks constantly involves what they do and how they do it. I hesitate to say this, but far too frequently, we are our own worst enemies. Whether that's putting off doing something, continuing to do something because it's how we've always done it, or maybe even worse, as one listener recently said to me, I've done it this way because that's what I read about on the internet. Amazing. Every week we come across people who are financially a real danger just to themselves. I sometimes wonder how we metaphorically manage to cross the financial road without getting ourselves knocked down. 
It never ceases to amaze me how some of us have really important, really challenging jobs. Surgeons, nurses, engineers. But when we get home, we are really, really rubbish with our finances. I nearly said a naughty word then, Howard. Yeah. So how do you help your clients protect their savings and assets from these threats? Um, the the best analogy I can I can use to describe strategic financial planning is is probably a jigsaw. Lots of people apparently rediscovered jigsaws during the lockdown, so this this should, should be quite easy for them. Financially speaking, the jigsaw of strategic financial planning is fitting together what you have with where it is and what you want to do, what you want it to do for you. As everyone knows, the best way to start a jigsaw is to collect all the straight edges. From there, you build the jigsaw skeleton. Creating and building a strategic financial plan to protect us from financial threats is very similar. If you start a jigsaw from the middle and work towards the edges, it's much more difficult to do because it's harder to understand the structure. It's equally difficult to plan your finances or avoid financial threats by considering each area of your finances or assets in isolation. It's blindingly obvious to say it, but if you hold your investments in a tax-efficient structure, it will improve your bottom-line return. But if the wrong structure is used, that will negatively impact lots of other areas of your strategic financial planning. By taking a holistic, logical approach to your strategic financial planning, you can then create a strategy which protects you and your wealth and avoids those financial threats. How important is it to take professional advice and make sure your financial planning is based on your specific situation and objectives? Um, at Blevins Franks, we're, we're, we're passionate about creating bespoke strategic financial planning strategies for our clients. You might think you're just the same as your neighbour, but honestly, I can assure you, in my experience, nobody is the same, especially from a financial perspective. I recently met a couple, and quite soon after I, after I met them, I met another couple who are friends of the first couple. If I needed any reminding that no two couples are ever the same, those two meetings were a timely reminder. They both con contacted us because of listening to these broadcasts. They both own French properties, quite close to each other. They frequently socialise together, and I discovered they regularly discuss the contents of these broadcasts. What they also had in common was something we saw quite frequently because of the pandemic. Both couples spent lockdown living in their French holiday homes, and as a result, decided to stay before the transition period closed, and both couples became French residents, rather than wait and arrive later. As the second meeting progressed, it was very quickly clear that these two apparently very similar couples were very, very different, which I suppose epitomises what good strategic financial planning is all about. Through our discussion, we built up an in-depth understanding of what each couple wanted to achieve, but importantly, we also discovered what they didn't want. In this particular instance, it was very clear that financially, one of these couples needed to rethink their strategy, because arriving as they had under the withdrawal agreement would ultimately cost them an awful lot of money. By looking at them individually, we were able to build a bespoke strategy and a strategic financial planning strategy that is individual to their respective situation. Finally, what advice do you have to help people choose the right financial advisor to help them do all this? I, I completely understand why, why this is a challenge. How, how do you select one company over another when, when sort of speaking... In round terms, the, the edges are blurred. Every firm that deals with finances, whether it's a bank, a broker, a fund manager, or even a notary, accountant, or tax lawyer, sound like they offer the same services. 
I'm sorry to say, the challenge isn't actually getting any easier. UK financial service providers who before Brexit offered their services to French residents or French resident British clients through passporting arrangements are now legally barred from doing that these days. I was reminded of this issue just early this week when a client with a UK premium bond or UK premium bonds received a letter which told her she can no longer have her premium bonds because she doesn't have a UK bank account. Her UK banker closed her account and the reason for the closure was she's a French resident and the UK is no longer a member of the EEC. Blevins Franks has spent close on 50 years advising British nationals who want to settle in Europe. Back in June 2016, as we all know, the UK voted to leave the EU. Over the past seven years, we've devoted a great deal of time, resource and money to restructuring Blevins Franks to ensure that in this post-Brexit Europe, we're still around to continue advising our existing clients and to provide advice to those who still want to move, despite the fact the UK is no longer part of the European Economic Union. In truth, as a business, we didn't really have a choice. All our frontline people live locally, where our clients live. They don't fly in and out, which means they have a deep personal understanding of the same local issues our clients face day in, day out. I joined Blevins Franks back in the 90s because I believe that they were best European-based advisory firm for British nationals living in Europe. With Brexit now well in the rearview mirror, I'm even more certain Blevins Franks are the firm to choose if you want to be advised by a professional, fully authorised cross-border strategic financial planning firm. That said, Blevins Franks is not a bank. Our origins are in the UK, or come out of a UK accountancy firm, but we're not French accountants, and we're certainly not notaires. That said, people contact us because if you have a question about money or finances, we're a safe pair of hands. We do what we do, but we also know what we don't do. If we have a conversation and you need a notaire, a tax lawyer or an accountant, we will point you in the right direction. And if it's required, we'll be more than happy to make a specific introduction. So if you have a question or a query about something or anything financial, give us a call, speak to one of our local partners, and if we can help, we will do. If we can't, we probably know someone who can. Now, the telephone number of our local French office is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. And anyone can call our Monaco office as well. The telephone number here in Monaco is 97775574. That's 97775574. And if you prefer, you can find out more about Blevins Franks or arrange a call with a Blevins Franks partner by simply visiting our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob. You can get back to your sport now. <laughs> yeah, well, the Grand Prix will be starting soon, Howard. So there we go. That's the rest of the afternoon sorted out. Have talk- a good week. Yes, talk to you next Sunday. Cheers. Bye. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this programme, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. Want to move to France? It's not as difficult as you may think. Talk to Blevins Franks about the key steps to take before and after your move. We have offices across France with local advisors to help you with understanding post-Brexit residence permits, minimising taxation, navigating and avoiding French inheritance rules, personalised investment planning and making the most of your UK pensions as an expatriate. Contact Blevins Franks on 0493 001780.
or visit blevinsfranks.com.